Welcome to the Transforming Leadership Podcast with executive coach, author, and speaker, Dr. Steve Stepp. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. For more information about Dr. Stepp and how the Transforming Leadership team builds effectiveness in leaders, please look online at tleadership.com. That's tleadership.com. Now let's join Dr. Steph in the studio. Hi, I'm Jim Brangenberg, and I'm joined by Dr. Steve Steph from Transforming Leadership. You know, Steve, before we begin, I think it's important that we remind everybody that we're in currently a series talking about transforming leadership proverbs, and those are sayings or truisms that the entire Transforming Leadership team has put together that are really like the stepping stones becoming a great leader. And you guys have taken years to coin these phrases. Today's Transforming Leadership proverb is humans are not wired to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty. That's a really good one. And and it may be perfect for times such as this. Absolutely. I I think the time right now is is absolutely perfect. We, We coined this, wrote this probably... I don't know, four or five years ago, something like that. And, and our primary focus when we wrote it was um, ambiguity and uncertainty in the workplace. And now here we are as a society, U.S. Jim, even as a globe, global society, uh, dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty. So it's it's huge right now. Perfect timing. So what are what areas of our life do we typically experience ambiguity and uncertainty? Well, when we, as I said, when we originally wrote this, originally coined this phrase, we were we were thinking about in the workplace. Okay. So we were the context was ambiguity and uncertainty in the boss's expectation, ambiguity and uncertainty in the mission of my organization or even the mission of my department. So that was the context at the time. The context today is is significantly broader right now. We've got ambiguity, we struggle with ambiguity and uncertainty in our work. For instance, um, do I even have a job right now? Uh, will my will my organization, will my company survive in today's time and in today's economy? How's the economy going to affect me and my family? We're dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty relative to health and what's the right thing to do and and you know what's a what's a myth uh, you know we're dealing with political ambiguity and uncertainty and that goes to the myth as well um we're dealing with uh, social unrest just a, a huge social unrest out there in the world today that um i, I would say this affected everyone to some extent so we've got social parental responsibilities right now because we have family. I have three different families that uh, that I'm pretty close with that have either children or aging parents that are hospitalized and they can't see them. Uh, so that you know, the, we've got those health and parental uncertainties. So we're just surrounded with it today. Environmental uncertainty. Yeah, you know, and we when- don't know. You know, when, when people are feeling all that uncertainty, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when people are feeling all that uncertainty, it really starts to impact their work, doesn't it? I mean, when stuff is, when stuff is yeah. uncertain at home and outside of the office, it definitely impacts inside the office. What, one of the greatest indicators of that to me, and, and as you know, I'm a licensed professional counselor, even though my work today is, is coaching and consulting in the workplace. The greatest indicator of that to me are the managers or leaders that I talk with that tell me that they don't bring their work, their home life, their personal life into the workplace. 
And you and I both, Jim, know from our experience, of course they do. It's, it's literally impossible to set aside your personal life when you come into the workplace. So if if they believe that, <laughs> then, then that alone is a cue to their lack of awareness of how much this is impacting them. Yeah, that's just kind of like living in denial. And most people don't live Absolutely. in Egypt, so how could they live in denial? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. So yeah. this all, what happens when people experience all these different kinds of ambiguities and uncertainties? So we talked about health uncertainties, environmental threats, social unrest, financial uncertainty, parental responsibility uncertainties, especially the people listening to this that are working from home that are being elementary school teachers or middle school teachers at the same time they're being parents, they're working full time and they're managing, maybe they got aging parents. At the same, I mean, all of these issues, what does that cause? It's stress. That's the bottom line, stress. Uh, we've got a, a, a phrase, another phrase that we use all the time is all change is stress. It doesn't matter whether it's good change or bad change, all change is stress. You know, someone right now, Jim, that's preparing for a wedding for, you know, they're excited. They, everything is going there. They're planning the wedding. That's stressful. You know, somebody that may be planning for a divorce, that's just as stressful, you know, if, if not more so. So all change is stress. Change in the workplace is stress. I talked to a group of 68 people yesterday on one Zoom call, 68 people, and almost all of them are working from home. Now, the, the comment, the feedback that I got in that call was interesting because the senior leader in that team said, well, some of these people work from home anyway. That That's good and, and that's great insight. But those people that work from home anyway, they weren't locked in their homes for 90 days at a time. (laughs) They weren't unable to go shopping. Uh, They didn't have uh, spouses and children that were locked in the home with them while they were doing their their at-home job. They didn't have the social unrest going. So the stressors, whether you're accustomed to working from home or not, you know, I, I have home office, have for 30 years. Whether you're accustomed to working from home or not, Jim, there are additional stressors that are mounting up, piling up on top of us right now. So we've got to be aware of them. It's it's stress. All change is stress, and it's going to have an impact on us. So is there a way to actually train yourself to deal with this kind of stress? Because that seems like, I mean, all of us experience lifelong stress. There's always going to be stress. There's always going to be stress, you know, probably not, hopefully not to the degree that we're experiencing it today, but there's always going to be stress. I, I think the, the, the number one thing is just the awareness of it. And as you know me personally, and you know my wife well, Kathleen, and I, and I know yours, Martha, and, uh, acknowledging our awareness of stress for me is not really my gift. You know, I, I don't do a good job of being aware of stress in, in my in my own life. So there are some cues that I have recognized over the years that when I start doing this, that is an outpouring of stress in my life. So ah, I'm doing this now, you know. So I must be feeling stress, although I don't I don't sense it and, and acknowledge it as stress. So can we train ourselves to deal with more stress? Absolutely. Just a, you know, just a, a quick little parenthetical. A lot of the training that special forces troops uh, uh, encounter is dealing with stress, so that they they are trained. I mean, we're obviously we're talking about special forces. We're talking about intensive training, right? Right. They <laughs> undergo intensive training so that they do not experience the physiological. 
uh, implications of stress. There are real live physiological responses to stress. You know, I spent a good deal of time at World Trade Center back in 9-11, and I was at uh, Columbine, and I was at Paducah, a couple of the school shootings. And as you know, I've responded to multiple homicides and suicides over the years. The the physiological reaction to stress are, are undeniable. And for most of us, uh, awareness is number one. Because if then when we are aware, there are a few things that we can do to help us uh, deal with that stress. Are we going to uh, totally mitigate it, totally offset the impact? Probably not. But we can mitigate the impact of stress. What are some of those other indicators that people are really experiencing stress? I mean, there, there's got to be like some, hey, I'm experiencing, I may not be thinking I'm experiencing stress, but I've got all these symptoms and those say I'm stressed. The, the number one symptom that I encounter in the workplace is the inability to make decisions. We just, it, it interferes, it literally interferes physically, physiologically interferes with my ability to process information and make decisions. When I was uh, studying to be a pilot, you know, I've got the, my, my pilot's license. One of the things that we discussed at that time was when you start to experience stress in the cockpit, your peripheral vision starts to come in, your heart rate starts to go up, your blood sugar starts to drop. So there, those physiological things that happen there, um, I'm experiencing fatigue, I'm having sleep difficulties, I'm having uh, problem solving, my problem solving skills start to deteriorate, uh, I'm starting to feel sadness, I'm starting to feel irritation, uh, I'm feeling overwhelmed, even in my day-to-day -day activities. That, those are the things that I'm experiencing and awareness, as we discuss, if we will just stop and, and examine our lives, even in conversation with a, a, a trusted counsel, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a dear friend, whether it's a coworker that you trust, ask them, are you seeing evidence of stress in my life? Whether it's in my uh, uh, interpersonal, you know, how we're, how we're discussing and processing together. So you know, I'm going to keep going back to that awareness because that's okay. kind of number one. And once I become aware of it, then I can little by little start to address the implications there. So we started our conversation today talking about the fact that the problem for today is humans are not wired to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty. And then we just had a conversation about because people are being uh, subject to so much ambiguity and uncertainty, it's causing great deals of a great deal of stress. So what are some things leaders can do to resolve or remove any extra unnecessary ambiguity? Perfect. The first, the number one thing, you know, we've got four or five points that we discuss with, with our leaders, with our coaches all the time. Probably four out of five center on communication, cascading communication, communi over communicate. It's virtually impossible for a leader at any time to over communicate, but particularly in, high, in a high stress environment, whether it's uh, whether the organization is going through corporate change, mergers, things like that. It, it, it's literally, I think, at that point, impossible to over-communicate. So exponentially increase your communication, uh, both the amount of communication and the types or the ways that you communicate, the, the, the communication streams. You know, communication streams may be emails. They may be uh, team meetings or town hall meetings, one-on-one uh, -on -one communication. If you have a... 
a team that reports directly to you, your direct reports, I should say. You need to ramp up your communication with them. And uh, again, I'll go to another team meeting that we had yesterday with about 40 people involved. And we were talking about one-on-one -on -one meetings and the the model that we teach here at Transforming Leadership. You know, we talk, we, uh, we've titled them connecting meetings. The effectiveness of a connecting meeting can be measured by who's talking in the meeting. So to, to take five seconds and explain that, the purpose of the connecting meeting is so that the direct report can be heard. It's a platform for the direct report being heard because the supervisor can be heard at any time. They're the boss. Right. So the, the more talking in that connecting meeting or one-on-one -on -one meeting, if, if, if you prefer, the more talking that the subordinate does in the meeting, invariably the research is saying the more effective the meeting is. So the way to get the subordinate talking is for the leader to learn to ask effective questions. If you're asking the right questions, they're going to talk. They're going to respond. So you want to decrease uh, uh, stress in the workplace. You want to increase your effectiveness. You've got to learn to ask effective questions, and you've got to give them a platform for answering those questions. And the best platform, the most natural platform, is the one-on-one -on -one or connecting me. Is there some other things, though, that leaders can do intentionally in order to be able to drive away the ambiguity and really the feelings of uncertainty. Aren't there some specific things they could do in their communication to their people directly that, that can help do that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think, you know, too often the one-on-ones or the connecting meetings evolve into reporting meetings. And remember that the real purpose is for building relationship and establishing trust between you and your direct report. So in that communication, uh, I'm still on communication here, in that communication, it needs to be focused on on personal. How's that person doing? Right. Um, whether the question is, how's that person doing in the workplace? Or tell me how things are at home right now. Now, I, I want to be abundantly clear. It's not the job or the intent of that meeting for the senior leader to be prying into things that the subordinate doesn't want to discuss. But it is their job to create a safe place platform right. for those discussions. So ask them how they're doing personally. Uh, ask them about exercise. Ask them about their Why personal exercise? health. Why exercise? What, what, why We're talking about eliminating ambiguity and uncertainty. Why are we talking about exercise? Why'd you throw that well, in? Well, but, but we're talking about uh, eliminating the stress that comes from ambiguity okay. and uncertainty. So, so to, to get back to the original truism, the original phrase, as I said, we coined this a few years ago, uh, specifically having to do with ambiguity and uncertainty in the workplace, not in the home and in the society and the world, but in the workplace, because our research has shown us that for subordinates, the biggest issue that they struggle with, the biggest issue that people struggle with at every level in the workplace, from uh, even from the, the executive team down, is that ambiguity and uncertainty and not knowing either the mission or not knowing the immediate expectations of their supervisor. There, that is expectations on the team, but more importantly, expectations on them individually. So you want to counter ambiguity and uncertainty. You want to lower the stress level, be abundantly clear on expectations 
and mission of the organization or the department and what must that individual and or that team do in order to fulfill on that mission and it's not a mission to do better it's not a mission to work harder uh, that's that's not an expectation i mean that that's not a clear expectation a clear expectation jim is uh exactly what sort of output or exactly what sort of metrics or exactly more in our language, what sort of behaviors are you looking for and how am I doing on fulfilling on those behaviors? That eliminates the ambiguity and uncertainty of the workplace. And really in reducing the stress caused by those things, exercise really helps to reduce that stress. We're trying to eliminate that stress by being clear, concise, and affirming the people that we work with. Dr. Steve Steph, a phenomenal conversation about humans are not wired to deal with ambiguity and uncertainty. Do you have any final thoughts you want to make sure we get in there before we're done today? Now, that's a that's a that's a huge subject to hit in 15 minutes. But as I said, today particularly, we've got in the workplace as well as the global ambiguity and uncertainty. So it probably deserves a couple of more casts to break those down individually. But but the big one right now is communicate, communicate, and then go back and communicate a little bit more. Focus the communication on them, not on you, if you want to help the situation. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Dr. Steph. And to our listeners, as always, please make sure you check us out online, tleadership.com, tleadership.com. We've got lots of great things out there for you to experience, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Check us out on the Contact Us, or maybe you could pop us a note right there on our website, or there's always a phone number out there for you to give us a call. So until next time. And that ends our discussion for today. Thanks for listening to the Transforming Leadership Podcast with executive coach, author, and speaker, Dr. Steve Steph. For more information on how Dr. Steph and the Transforming Leadership team can help you become a more effective leader, please look online at tleadership.com. That's tleadership.com. The Transforming Leadership Podcast is available on your favorite podcast directories, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review on your favorite platform to help us spread the word. Until next time, remember, building effectiveness in leaders starts with the transformation of your heart towards your people.